Happy New Year everyone. This is my first post of 2022 and following on from the previous two seasons I've decided to put together a J1 predicted lineups article to get the ball rolling. Hope you all enjoy the fruits of my labor. Also a quick reminder that you can find the 2022 squad list screenshotted below in this Excel document. And, be sure to check out at Michael underscore Master on Twitter if you haven't already, the one and only account you need to follow to keep up to date with J-League transfers. The Guide Teams are listed below in the order they finished the 2021 campaign and each club's mini-section contains the following information. Best signing, this won't necessarily be objectively the best player the team have signed over the winter, more the one I feel addresses the most pressing need in the squad, for example, spoiler alert, I selected Kim Min Tae over both Yuta Higuchi and Yuma Suzuki in this category at Kashima. Biggest loss, basically the opposite of best signing. One to watch, again it might not be the best player in the squad or the one most likely to join a European club in the summer, rather someone who's good, bad or up and down form will set the tone for his team's entire campaign. Doubtful, players who due to either injuries carried over from 2021, immigration issues or, in the case of a certain Polish striker at Nagoya, potential doping violations, might not be available for selection in the opening months of 2022. Notes, me trying to work out what direction the team is heading in this year. Predicted lineups. A few caveats here. For simplicity's sake I've assumed every contracted player to be fit and available for selection when choosing these best 11s. These are not meant to be seen as the predicted starting lineup for round 1, think of them more as the players who will feature most across the course of the year, obviously new signings will be made in the summer, but unfortunately I'm not in possession of a crystal ball to make forecasts that far in advance. In cases where numerous players may see significant minutes in a certain position I've listed alternatives below the main choice, players may appear as alternatives for more than one role, see Satoshi Tanaka or Takuro Kaneko for examples. I also hope this illustrates where certain clubs have perhaps overstocked in one area of the field while neglecting others. Where two alternatives are listed, the name on the left is the one I consider to be higher on the team's depth chart. I think I said this last year, but I'll repeat myself anyway, expect the lineups for teams that have kept the same coach and most of the same playing staff as 2021, Kawasaki, to be more accurate than those that have seen multiple changes in management, and on-field personnel, Tosu. I have done a great deal of research to get these lineups as accurate as I can to the best of my knowledge, but full disclosure, I've also acted on some hunches and taken a punt on some lesser-known talents, I guess there wouldn't be much point reading this article if I just stated the obvious. Players coming from university sides directly into professional starting 11s is one of the unique selling points of football in this part of the world versus, say Europe, and it can be immensely tricky trying to project how each year's batch of fresh-faced graduates will do, especially when data about their positions and skill sets is hard to come by and the little information you can find seems to show them playing in a position that doesn't appear to exist at the club they are joining, for example a wide midfielder in a university side that plays 4-4-2 moving to a J1 team that operates a 3-4-2-1, will they be a wing-back or inside forward? I'm guessing these are the kind of choices that might generate the greatest debate, so please cut me some slack. I like to use data, but several players below have made the grade base largely on gut instinct developed over a decade watching the J-League. Well, with all that out the way let's move on and take a look at each of the 2022 J-1 sides one by one, shall we? Again I look forward to hearing feedback, good-natured I hope, from fans of all teams, followers of the league in general or just casual passers-by, you're all welcome. While I'm confident you'll agree with some of the points below, I'm also sure there will be many choices and opinions that people will disagree with, and that's all fine, it's why we love the beautiful game so much, right? Kawasaki Frontale Best signing, 
Chanathit, had plateaued a little up in Sapporo, but a move to the champion should work out well for him in Frontail. Biggest loss, Rio Hattate, basically by default as he was the only top teamer to leave. Perhaps the most frightening thing for the rest of the league is the amount of depth Kawasaki still have in midfield despite losing Hattate, Maitoma, Morita and Tanaka in the last 12 months. One to watch, Leandro Damao, imperious in 2021 and the deserved recipient of the league's MVP award, could a slight slip back from those grandiose heights offer a glimmer of hope to the chasing pack? Doubtful, GZL, injury notes, it's Toru Oniki's sixth campaign at the helm and once again Frontail start as the team to beat. Assuming GZL's injury or the aging of the forward line doesn't adversely affect them too much, they are extremely well-placed to fight off challenges from Marinos, Kobe, Kashima and Urawa to three-peat for the first time in their history. Yokohama F. Marinos Best signing, Katsuya Nagado, by no means the most glamorous transfer of the winter, but Nagado who, don't forget, led the league for assists with Sendai back in 2019 looks like he could thrive in Marinos' system and help their fans quickly get over the loss of their thon. Biggest loss, Dyson Maeda, only joined Celtic on an initial six-month loan deal, I don't really see this happening, but if things turn sour in Glasgow, a sharp return to Yokohama in the summer would do wonders for Marino's title aspirations. One to watch, Marcos Jr., goals-wise he's dropped year-on-year year since coming into the league in 2019, but he still remains pivotal to Marino's hopes and how well he adapts to Musket's game plan will be of critical importance to the team's chances this season. Doubtful, Shinosuke Hadanaka, Injury notes, it's all about musket for me, his appointment struck me as slightly strange at the time and even more so now that I've had time to digest it. Was he the best person to carry on Angie Ball? No, that guy is coaching Yamagata at the moment. If a desire to carry on the Angie Ball system wasn't a prerequisite for getting the job was he the best available candidate? Again, probably not. Despite that, I'm open-minded as to what he can achieve given the time and space to put his own mark on the team. I'd argue that this squad is slightly weaker than 12 months ago, however, there is still plenty of talent on board and top 4 should be a minimum expectation. Additional note, Anderson Lopes has been heavily linked with a move to Marinos. I'm unsure about his visa status or who would win out in a duel between him and Leo Sierra to be the main center forward. Vissel Kobe. Best signing, Tomoaki Makino. Vissel need an experienced head at the back to guide Kikuchi and Kobayashi along and although I'm sure it'll seem strange at first seeing him in a darker shade of red, he should prove valuable on and off the field in the port city. Biggest loss, Thomas Vermaelen, played more than I expected him to across his two and a half years in the league and no doubt passed on a trick or three to his younger protégés. One to watch, Yoshinori Muto, was the dominant partner as he and Yuya Osako amassed a combined nine goals and eleven assists in 23 appearances at the back end of 2021. More of that this term and Vissel will very much be in the title conversation. Doubtful, Boyan Kierkeich, injury notes, things have never looked better in Kobe, a balanced and settled squad, a competent manager and Hiroshi Mikatani largely leaving the football decisions to football people. We may see some tinkering with the midfield shape, but regardless of what system Miura adopts there's no reason to suggest Vissel won't be there or thereabouts at the business end of the year. Kashima Antlers Best signing, Kim Min Tae, three of last year's back four have moved on and Kim Star is burning brightly following an impressive spell filling in for the injured Yuichi Maruyama at Nagoya. His experience alongside the talented, but erratic, Aikuma Sekigawa will be invaluable. Biggest loss, Koki Machida, perhaps not much of a shock as he'd been linked with European clubs in the previous two to three windows so Antlers should have planned his succession accordingly. One to watch, Diego Pituca, a shining light once he was finally allowed into the country last year, 
the box-to-box midfielder should be a genuine J1 best 11 contender this term. Doubtful, Shintaro Nago, injury, Kantaku Rene Weiler, visa notes, new Kantaku Rene Weiler has an embarrassment of riches at his disposal in attack and must be relishing the prospect of molding them into a cohesive unit once he eventually makes it to the land of the rising sun. At the back the situation is a little less rosy, but should the attack-minded Weiler get things to gel, the Ibaraki side are not hindered by ACL involvement like their rivals and this could set them on a course towards a first title since 2016. Nagoya Grampus. Best signing, Kei Asento, played in a role for Tosu that doesn't really exist in the current Grampus setup, but to me he projects as Naoki Maeda's replacement and should prove to be a gem of a signing. Biggest loss, Takuji Yonimoto, one of the surprise moves of the winter in my book, he left FC Tokyo after one season of working with Kenta Hasegawa, did they have prior beef? One to watch, Mateus Castro, those of a Grampus persuasion will hope that the enigmatic Brazilian has gotten over the slump in form he experienced in the second half of 2021, as well as those Kawasaki transfer rumors, and will bounce back ready to lead the charge towards an ACL place. Doubtful, Jakub Swearsock, Ped Violation Notes, if I was a Nagoya fan would I have wanted to wake up to the news that Kenta Hasegawa was replacing Massimo Ficadenti? No, but I'll add that he's nowhere near as bad as some FC Tokyo fans might have you believe. After winning silverware in each of his first three years at Gamba, he took an FC Tokyo side that had only achieved a single top 6 J1 finish in the eight years prior to his appointment to three consecutive top 6 placings. Granted, the wheels came off spectacularly in his final seasons at both clubs, but I still maintain he's a reasonably safe pair of hands until the Grampus hierarchy decide which direction they want the club to take next. Arawa Red Diamonds. Best signing, David Moberg Carlson, possibly the only player in the history of football to represent both Kilmarnock and Arawa which means that everything inside me should want him to fail, but I actually think this could be quite an astute piece of business by Reds. Biggest loss, Tomoaki Makino, kind of wins this by default as Arawa didn't lose any real nailed on 2021 starters in the offseason, only Yuruki and Tanaka ran him close for this award. One to watch, Kasper Junker, Seven goals in his first six J1 appearances and just two in 11 after that his injury struck. If a full preseason schedule gets him back up to speed then J1 look out. Doubtful, Ayumu Ahada, injury, David Moberg Carlson, Visa Notes, when I wrote my scouting J1 and scouting J2 articles last autumn I never envisaged that Urawa and Cerezo would be the two teams to sign the most players from those lists, but there you go, hats off to both clubs. Reds have added a dizzying array of stars to an already strong-looking squad and if they can find a way to get everyone pulling in the same direction then they appear well set to challenge domestically and in Asia. Sagan Tosu. Best signing, Naoyuki Fujita, still very much good enough to play for Cerezo, but probably rightly moved on due to the aging issues at the club. A return to his first pro side seems a logical next step and he'll have a big part to play assisting the development of the bountiful young talent on the books at Tosu. Biggest loss, Yuta Higuchi, plenty of competition for this award, but I'm still drowning my sorrows over Higuchi rejecting Gamba for Kashima and have to nominate him here. One to watch, Yuki Kakata, finished 2021 with something of a bang, netting five times in eight outings for a Tokushima side that struggled to create clear-cut openings. Has his old Vortis teammate Miyashiro with him too and looks to be the ideal replacement for Keita Yamashita. Notes, let's focus on the positives, the goalkeeper, defense and wingbacks are basically unchanged from 2021, Ayumu Ahata excluded, and an attack, if I can quote Moneyball, they've realized they can't directly replace departed stars like Higuchi, Sento, Koyamatsu and Yamashita, but they can recreate them in the aggregate. 
If the injury-prone Yuji Ono, high school whiz kids turned pro-level letdowns Jun Nishikawa and Yudo Iwasaki or any of their six recruits from varsity football enjoy a standout year then a mid-table finish isn't out of the question. Avispa Fukuoka. Best signing, Lukian. This deal came as something of a bolt from the blue to me and the addition of J2's top scorer from 2021 adds real impetus to an Avispa attack that will be looking to move up through the gears this year. Biggest loss, Emil Solomonson, will be a big loss both on and off the field. He must have found it tough with basically two-thirds of his time in Japan falling during the coronavirus pandemic so it's hard to begrudge him a move back home. One to watch, Tatsuya Tanaka, back in his native Kyushu, big things will be expected of the versatile wide man. This was an area where Avispa needed an upgrade and it looks like they found one in the former Gamba, Oita and Arawa speedster. Notes, I like what they've done in the transfer window, I like it a lot. There's not one signing they've made that I haven't liked, keeping Hasp and May on board is massive too. After all those niceties I'll add the qualifier that although on paper this year's squad looks stronger than last year's by a bigger margin than last year's did than 2020's, still with me? It might not necessarily translate into them finishing any higher up in the standings. Though I guess having spent so much of their recent history in J2, the Avispa faithful won't complain about another upper mid-table placing in 2022. FC Tokyo Best signing, Jakub Slowik, most J1 transfers have some sort of doubt hanging over them, players stepping up a level, poor previous season, injury-prone, might not fit the system etc., none of these apply to Slowik. A clear upgrade on what was there before and questions marks over his distribution should only form a minor concern given the quality of the rest of his game. Biggest loss, Joan Omari, despite apparently only resigning to cover until Bruno Juvini could get into the country, the Lebanese international had a decent second year in the capital. One to watch, Leandro, he and Hasegawa didn't see eye to eye, that much is clear, if he and Puig butt heads then I'm not sure he'll have too many backers left in the FC Tokyo support. A brilliant match winner on his day, we all know what he can be when it's not, for FC Tokyo and the league's sake let's hope the former, not the latter version rocks up in 2022. Doubtful, Kashif Bang Nagan, Sadai Hasukawa, Akiro Hayashi, injury notes, far more change off the field than on it with Mixi taking over as the majority shareholder and Albert Puig moving into the managerial hot seat following a two-year spell with Niigata. From the outside it appears that any kind of on-field improvement will need to be driven by a Kantaku who has a beautiful philosophy on how the game should be played, but never really managed to translate that into meaningful results at Albirex, save for a magical 13-game run at the start of last season. A transitional campaign, give the manager time, Yikes I'm using up all the clichés I had saved for the Gamba section several entries below. Hokkaido Kansado Sapporo Best signing, Gabriel Xavier, an unexpected, but potentially excellent ready-made replacement for Chanathip, as long as his performances don't go on to show that Massimo Ficadenti knows rather more about football management than all of us armchair pundits. Biggest loss, Chanathip, 2021 was another injury-hit campaign for the Thai superstar, though he did bow out on a high with three assists in his last two matches. Things had gone a touch stale for him in Sapporo, but he'll surely be fondly remembered in those parts for years to come. One to watch, Suyashi Ogashiwa, I'll admit I'm highly skeptical of the 700,000 euros move to hearts rumors, but the pacey forward has certainly caught the eye of national team coach Hajimi Moriyasu and in his second year as a pro will be expected to shoulder a greater burden of Kinsadal's attacking hopes. Doubtful, Suyashi Ogashiwa, injury notes. The winds of change haven't been blowing too strongly up in Sapporo with minimal transfer business being conducted. GX10, will he change his name to GX18, and Koraki are the only two senior signings, but given how they've worked the varsity market in recent years, 
I wouldn't bet against Sora Agawa, Tsukuba University, and Hiromu Tanaka, Riso University, turning out to be pretty handy. Sanfreki Hiroshima. Best signing, Taisha Semba, the Ryatsukize University graduate says he's looked up to Toshihiro Aoyama for a number of years and if all goes according to plan he could well be the one to take over the legendary Sanfreki midfield maestro spot in the not-too-distant future. Biggest loss, Kodai Dohi, failed to build on a promising 2020 due to a succession of injuries, but a lone spell with Mito is absolutely the right move to resuscitate his career. One to watch, Junior Santos, if the 2020 Yokohama F. Marino's version of Junior Santos turns up this year then it'll be as good as a new signing for the Three Arrows. Doubtful, Sakasa Morishima, Yuichi Naganuma, Douglas Vieira, Injury, Kantaku Michael Skib, Visa Notes, after pleading poverty for much of last year, the additions of Sakasa Shaitani and Michael Skib following spells in the Middle East indicate that there is money available if they choose to use it. Skib's delayed arrival has thrown an unwelcome spanner in the works, though he is fortunate to have a settled squad at his disposal, albeit one that largely underperformed relative to their game-by-game stats in 2021. Cerezo Osaka Best signing, Gene Patrick, I must admit I don't know a whole lot about him, but he appears to have a decent pedigree and fills a spot that really needed an upgrade as a result of the person I'll talk about below departing. Biggest loss, Tatsuhiro Sakamoto, a fine player who slightly lost his way in what was a disappointing 2021 campaign overall for the Cherry Blossoms. Still, as a result of his 2020 form and the performances he put in at the start of last year, he's done more than enough to merit his move. One to watch, Takashi Inui, I wasn't a big fan of his return when it was initially announced due to Cerezo having a plethora of 30-somethings already on their books, but given the way this year's squad is shaping up I feel he'll have a vital role to play as an impact sub and dressing room leader. Doubtful, Takashi Inui, Adam Taggart, Dang Van Lam, Injury, Gene Patrick, Visa Notes, I like their winter transfer work a whole lot more than I did last year, see what I said about them in the Urawa section above, especially the acquisition of Nagasaki's jewel in the crown Seya Maikuma, sorry for telling everyone how good he was Daniel, the permanent appointment of Akio Kogiku who, according to Transfermarkt, has been at the club in one capacity or another since 1998 could be a masterstroke as he's surely amassed the clout that will allow him to tap a few shoulders and break the news to several veterans that they're no longer the automatic choices they once were. Additional note, Croatian defender Matej Jonjic is rumoured to be returning in the coming days. If that move happens he'll be the main centre-back upon his arrival in the country with Nishio and Shindo battling it out to partner him. He'd also overtake Gene Patrick as my choice for best signing. Gamba Osaka Best signing, Mitsuki Saito, not a signing I really expected going into the transfer window, but a more than welcome addition to the Narotsuri's midfield ranks. Biggest loss, Kim Young-gwan, Yosuke Idiguchi, neither were at their best in 2021, a comment which could pretty much be applied to the majority of the squad, but both will be missed dearly by the Aotakuro faithful. One to watch, Hiroto Yamami, I should probably have chosen him in the best signing category, but thought he'd fit better here instead. Hopefully that worldie against Shimizu was just a taste of what's to come as he set himself the target of scoring double digits this year. Doubtful, Jun Nikamori, Leandro Pereira, Injury, Dahan, Kwan Kyungwon, Visa Notes, as close to a free hit of a season as you'll ever get as Gamba Kantaku awaits Tomohiro Katanosaka, though that didn't stop him heaping pressure on himself by setting third as the target for this year. Gamba fans I've talked to say that top eight is more realistic, especially with Kawasaki, Marinos, Kobe, Kashima and Urawa all looking particularly strong. To Oat Celtic supporters, trust the process, 
Katana Saka is a man with a plan and that's something that was sorely missing for the majority of 2021. Shimizu S. Pulse. Best signing, Takeru Kishimoto, a surprisingly difficult choice this one, as though regular readers will remember I picked out Kishimoto as someone to keep an eye on in my Scouting J1 article last autumn, I can't help but feel there were more logical moves for both him and Shimizu to make. Granted the S-Pulse front office and I never appear to be on the same frequency when it comes to ideas on how to take the club forward. Biggest loss, Hideki Ishij, I know he was at Okayama on loan at the end of last season, but his departure sums up, for me at least, the malaise at the Nahandera. A once mighty powerhouse born out of the cradle of Japanese football now reduced to letting long-serving youth academy graduates leave for rival clubs while the powers that be continue to blindly spin the roulette wheel, trying in hope, more than expectation to find the coaches and players necessary to bring back the glory days. One to watch, Yuido Suzuki, I'm sure you've all seen his wonder strike against Shonen, however, unfortunately that was one of only two goals he's amassed in 63 J1 outings since turning pro in 2020. Imagine the Heights' regular contributions from him, in addition to Thiago Santana's steady stream of goals, could take S-Pulse too. Doubtful, Renato Augusto, Akira Ibayashi, Takumi Kato, Kenton Ishizawa, Injury notes, I realize I've been a bit harsh on S-Pulse above and it's absolutely nothing personal as they're an iconic and extremely likable club, I just struggle to be overly positive when their front office keeps making baffling decisions. The Peter Kolomovsky experiment was ditched in favor of the ultra-defensive Lotina brand of football and now they've opted for the man who came in to temporarily do a spot of firefighting at the end of both 2020 and 2021, the particularly tricky to say regardless if you go Japanese or Western style, Hiroaki Hiroka or Hiroka Hiroaki if you prefer. There's loads of depth on the flanks, but any injury or departure down the central spine of the team, Gonda, Yoshinori Suzuki, Matsuoka and Thiago Santana, would sting badly. Additional notes, reports out of South Korea suggest that S-Pulse have tabled a large bid for Ulsan Hyundai's tall forward Osei Hun. On paper the highly rated 23-year-old would be a quality addition, but it would also leave Shimizu with seven foreign talents on their books. Do they never get the memo from the J-League about only being allowed five in your matchday squad? Kashiwa Raisal. Best signing, Tomoya Koyamatsu, big shoes to fill in attack, he's coming off the back of a decent couple of seasons with Tosu and should quickly become a fan favorite at the Hitachi Dai. Biggest loss, Cristiano, the now 35-year-old club legend departs after seven years with the Sun Kings. Sure he may be past his prime, but having seen him perform in the flesh last year, He's very much still got it and I'm certain he'll tear up J2 with Nagasaki. One to watch, Douglas, with the fearsome foursome of Alunga, Cristiano, Asaka and Sagawa all gone, the goal-scoring burden falls on the previously prolific, but perhaps slightly over the hill Douglas. Is there still enough fire there for one final hurrah before he rides off into the sunset? Notes, I believe it was Gabriel Anello who pointed out that 2021 saw the most managerial changes in J-League history, a good number of them appeared harsh when viewed from afar, but on the flip side of the coin, Kashiwa's stubborn dedication to keeping Nelson Ho in the hot seat continues to puzzle me. Of course the Brazilian is a legend in Kashiwa circles, however, he had 38 J1 games last season to work out his best 11 in formation, and never managed it. If he doesn't know, then how am I supposed to? I've gone 4-2-3-1 below, but 3-4-2-1, 4-3-3 and 3-5-2 are all possible. I'm not saying it'll actually happen, but they'll surely be a popular pick for big team who could go down this year. Shonen Belmare. Best signing, Ryota Nagaki, the return of the prodigal son was an easy choice here, he'll bring skill and more importantly a wealth of experience to help shepherd along Belmare's exciting crop of youngsters. Biggest loss, Mitsuki Saito, 
I know that selecting both Ishige and Saito as the biggest loss for their respective clubs may come across as extreme gamba bias, especially given Saito was on loan at Ruben Kazan in 2021, but hear me out, how often do Shonen come through a winter transfer window with all their prized assets still in place? Hata, Tanaka and Hiroka are still there, leaving me with the rare predicament of struggling to find a departed player Shonen will really miss this year. One to watch, Satoshi Tanaka, when I saw that Takuji Yonimoto had moved to Shonen on loan and Tanaka still hadn't been confirmed as a Belmare player for 2022, I felt sure we were less than 24 hours away from witnessing his unveiling at the Toyota Stadium, but alas it was not to be and he'll continue developing down on the Shonen coast, for now at least, whether that's as a holding midfielder or centre-back remains to be seen. Notes, this is Satoshi Yamaguchi's first full campaign at the helm and it'll be interesting to observe what tactical alterations, if any, he makes. As you can see below, there are a number of players of similar abilities competing for spots across the field which can be a good or bad thing depending on your perspective. I've tried my hardest to cram Tanaka, Nagaki and Yonimoto into the same lineup, Yamaguchi may have other ideas. They were the best defensive team in the bottom half last year and with the business they've done since should be even stronger now. My concerns are at the other end, they accrued a league-high 16 draws last season and joint top scorers Wellington and Naoki Yamada only managed 5 apiece there's nothing to suggest they'll be any more prolific in 2022. Jublo Iwata. Best signing, Ricardo Grassa. Again, hands up, I don't know a whole lot about him, but the rest of Jublo's transfer business hasn't been much to write home about and although Kentaro Oya has given the club years of good service, promotion back to J1 should very much be the signal to put him out to pasture, the capture of Grassa allows the club to do just that. Biggest loss, Lukian a huge blow to the side's attack and also their collective psyche to lose such an important player to a team, in Fukuoka, that despite far outperforming Jubilo on the field in 2021, would have been viewed as a step-down for the majority of the club's respective histories. One to watch, Yasuhito Endo, Gamba let Endo go in mid-2020 as despite his passing and vision still being top drawer, the veteran, who's the same age as Steven Gerrard and Chavi, don't forget, couldn't get around the park like he used to. We'll have an answer on how right or wrong that decision was very soon. Doubtful, Dudu, Ricardo Grassa, Visa Notes, an extremely impressive promotion campaign followed up by the appointment of highly rated Kofu boss Akira Ito had things looking rather sprightly for a time in Iwata. However, the club don't really appear to have backed the new Kontaku enough in the transfer market. Kenyu Sugimoto could work, but I wouldn't bet on it, there are question marks surrounding when their two new marquee Brazilians can get into the country and long-standing issues related to a chronic lack of pace throughout the squad haven't been sufficiently addressed over the winter. Additional note, Brazilian forward Vinicius Araujo, now a free agent after failing to agree terms on a new deal with Yamagata, is a possible addition before the season begins. He'd take over the centre-forward berth from Sugimoto should he decide to make the Yamaha Stadium his home for 2022. Kyoto Sanga Best signing, Rikido Inoue, despite the club making a number of winter signings, few of them are clearly better than the options already in place. Inoue, who's moved east from Okayama with Dutchman Jordi Baus traveling in the opposite direction, is the pick of the bunch for me. Readers of my Scouting J2 article will know I'm a big fan of his and with Shogo Asada still on board, Sanga have two of the top centre-backs from J2 2021 in their ranks, albeit neither of them has a single minute of J1 action to their name. Biggest loss, Jordi Baus, his departure came as something of a surprise and I've no doubt that he'll continue to prove himself to be one of the best defenders in J2 with Fagiano this season. One to watch, Peter Utaka, 38 years young when the season kicks off, if he can keep banging them and then Kyoto could, could, not will, 
Please remember, be this year's Fukuoka. Doubtful, Tomoya Wakahara, injury, Michael Vout, injury slash visa notes, reasons to be cheerful, they've got a coach who knows what it takes to survive in J1 in a squad with a decent sprinkling of top-tier experience, especially when compared with other recent newly promoted sides. Reasons to be fearful, the murky goalkeeping situation, a lack of J1 experience at centre-back and central midfield, and a host of Hail Mary signings that could all fall flat. The rather unorthodox Genki Omae may be the most likely to deliver from a list of names which also includes Mendez, Hisashi Apiatalia, Martinez, Ryogo Yamasaki, and Yuta Toyokawa. If you've made it this far, thank you and congratulations. I hope this guide has been useful for you. Look out for plenty more posts from me throughout the year and enjoy the 2022 J1 season whoever you support.